Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Dr. Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Chan Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult. Be sure to follow the link in the description after today's episode for more information about today's article and to claim CME credit. This podcast is brought to you by PrimeMed. Alyssa is a 19-year-old college sophomore who has been a patient in your practice for the last 10 years. She calls from school across the country for a telehealth visit because she has had a positive pregnancy test after missing her period last week. She has told you she does not want to continue the pregnancy. Alyssa is nervous and does not want to utilize her school's health services, and there's no facility like Planned Parenthood nearby. How can we help Alyssa from far away? Hi, this is Frank Domino, and joining me today is Jillian Joseph, physician assistant instructor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the UMass Chan Medical School in Worcester, Massachusetts, and assistant professor in the Department of PA Studies at the Massachusetts College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences University in Worcester, Mass. Hi, Jillian. Hi, Frank. So this is becoming increasingly common. Um, We now have telehealth, we can go anywhere around the country, and we're dealing with serious issues uh, across the range from heart failure down to newborn and well child care. How can we leverage telehealth to help Alyssa in her current situation? That's a great question. I love the sort of late adolescent, early college population of my practice, and I love being able to stay in touch with them as they go off to school all over the place. And we saw, you know, during the pandemic, telehealth services have really become front and center in our patient interactions and are a wonderful tool to bring care to these folks who might otherwise go without, either because they've got geographic barriers or transportation barriers or something else preventing them from coming into clinic. So in this case, Alyssa is all the way across the country at school. So getting her in for a visit obviously isn't practical. If I had the opportunity, I would very much prefer to have a video visit with Alyssa rather than a phone-based visit. I think it just adds um, a different dynamic to the visit, makes it feel more like you're in person. Um, We've known her for such a long time. And so really to be able to discuss this difficult dilemma in person would be ideal, but video call is truly our next best option here. I can definitely understand her hesitancy to use the school's health services. Meeting a new provider for, you know, just a regular new visit can be stressful, but for a pregnancy-related visit can be really anxiety-inducing for some people. So I'm really glad that she reached out for care, especially since she's several miles away. We can use this opportunity to assess what she already knows about her options, counsel her on available options for termination, and uh, provide some of the emotional support that she's looking for today within the context of the telehealth visit. Well, I I, I totally agree with you. Uh, And I also feel like your thoughts on emotional support are important. Um, Alyssa's decided not to continue the pregnancy, What kind of questions should we be asking her to help support her in this decision? Yeah, this is such a tough thing for women um, of all ages, particularly those in their um, college years. I think they have so many competing priorities as it is. And then to add this into the mix is tough. So I usually start these conversations with 
you know, how, how long have you been thinking about this? What do you know about the options for pregnancy? Um, where are you getting your information from to make sure their sources are accurate? And then who in your life knows about this? Is the father of the baby in the picture? What kind of support do you have? How can I help support you? Um, what if something happens medically, who are you going to turn to? Who's there to, to help you if you needed to go to the hospital? All of those things that you might not, um, necessarily think about if the patient is sitting in front of you and you have a better handle on sort of their social situation. But for Alyssa, where there's so many unknowns, this is a great time to have those kind of discussions. And, and I think it'll help her feel more comfortable thinking through who I, can I call if something goes wrong, et cetera. So Definitely. She's, she's decided to avoid, wants to try to avoid a surgical procedure if possible. Uh, what's the current method for medication-induced terminations? Mm -hmm. We use mifepristone, which is a progesterone receptor agonist. So it leads to contraction-inducing activity. So misoprostol is a prostaglandin analog that has shown to induce uterine contractions, and the FDA has approved mifepristone and misoprostol for the termination of pregnancy less than 70 days gestation. Some organizations support the use up to 77 days, actually, but the FDA approvals for up to 70 days gestation. So mifepristone was previously on a REMS program, but in 2020, the FDA temporarily stopped enforcement of the strategy by removing the in-person dispensing requirement. So now it can be delivered by mail order pharmacy. When these two medications are used together, the effectiveness is between 95 and 98%, and 2 to 5% of patients do require further care. This is less effective than surgical termination, which um, results in termination of the pregnancy over 99% of the time. Usually, women are seeking care in a medical setting, and they'll have a pelvic exam and or ultrasound to confirm intrauterine pregnancy and gestational age before deciding on termination options. But these reproductive services are not always readily available to women, and so that's where we can really utilize telehealth services. They might be able to, they might not be able to get to clinic because of social situation or transportation barriers. And we're seeing that a no test approach to care is becoming more common and is actually endorsed by ACOG and the Society of Family Planning. Wow. I didn't realize that the no test approach was becoming more common. Um, how safe is using telemedicine and medication for terminations? Access to abortion services is really becoming more of a challenge in some states. And then combining that with the restrictions from the pandemic, telehealth visits for medication and abortion have become more common. So in the U.S., not much research has actually been done on this, but there are studies from the U.K. and Canada showing efficacy and safety of the no-test approach. So there was a study published in JAMA that looked at the safety and efficacy of remote abortion care in a small virtual clinic in California. Patients would fill out an eligibility form online, which would be reviewed within 24 hours by a nurse practitioner. 
If the patient didn't know their last period or had risk factors for ectopic pregnancy, they were referred to ultrasound first. But if the patient was otherwise eligible, medication was delivered by mail and the patient, excuse me, the clinic then followed up with patients three times over the following month by text, secure message, or by phone. And so this study looked at about 140 patients over a three-month period between 2020 and 2021. Most patients had at least one follow-up contact, and they were able to get outcome data for about 86% of these patients. So of these, 95% had a complete abortion without intervention, and 5% required additional medical care. So this efficacy rate is similar to in-person care. There was another study just published in um, March of 2021 in JAMA, which looked at a larger cohort, almost 3,800 patients between February 2020 and January 2021. And these patients um, were those who opted for medication termination and did not have any ultrasound or pelvic exam prior to taking medication. So the study was multi-center and retrospective, and the endpoints were really effectiveness and major related adverse events like hospital admission, major surgery, or blood transfusion. So they collected follow-up data from 75% of the initial cohort and determined the effectiveness to be 94.8%, which is like usual care with pretests and in-person medication delivery. They also found the effectiveness was similar whether medications were dispensed in person or mailed. And of the total cohort, there were 12 major adverse events, which is uh, half a percent. Wow. So equally effective and very safe. We know Alyssa knows her last period and she's got no risk factors for ectopic pregnancy. She's chosen to try medications. Uh, what counseling points are important for us to review with Alyssa before we initiate the prescription? Like any procedure or any prescription, risk versus benefit discussion is always so important. It's really also crucial that patients know the side effects to look out for and what should prompt them to seek urgent medical attention, like severe abdominal pain or continued heavy bleeding. Also important to make sure they have good follow-up. So making sure patients have reliable ways to get in touch is a good idea, like making sure you have their appropriate phone number or do they prefer email or secure chat. And letting patients know exactly what the follow-up plan should be can eliminate any confusion. So like, for example, you know you want to follow up with them when they take the medication about three days later about whether or not they're having any symptoms, and then about a month later when they should take a home pregnancy test. Most importantly, I think, though, is that you're providing a patient-centered care approach to a really emotional and often difficult situation, and being able to offer resources and access to behavioral health care and counseling now and at later visits is always a good idea. It's so important that that last piece about um, being patient-centered, offering resources, including behavioral health, and providing close follow-up. It's what we do in primary care, um, whether it's a topic like medical termination or it's even anything as simple as initiating a hypertensive, antihypertensive agent. Jillian, really challenging topic. Great job. Thanks so much today. Thank you. Practice pointer. In patients with pregnancy less than 70 days gestation desiring medication termination, telehealth visits can safely be used to screen for eligibility with similar safety and efficacy rates to usual in-person care. 
Join us next time when we talk about the recent monkeypox outbreak around the world. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim CME credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, follow the link in the description. To stay up to date on the most recent clinical research and news, please subscribe to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine and be sure to check out primed.com for additional CME content.